There was a lot of disarray, a lot of fighting. I had it just last night. One of them told me when I was 14 years old, I ran away and I lived on the streets of Billings because we had such a miserable home situation. Whenever I walk out of that place, the first thing that comes to mind, thank you, Lord, for the type of home that I was brought up in. Thank you for parents that taught me about the Lord Jesus Christ from the day I was old enough to hear. Thank you that the very first song I ever learned was Jesus loves me, this I know. God has been good. These are things that we had no control over. But he, in his infinite grace, allowed me to be born and brought up in a Christian home. My mother was born in a homestead near Pony, Montana, in the shadow of the Bitterroot Mountains or the Tobacco Root Mountains. She was the second of a family of ten children. This was in 1914, a century ago. When she was only two years old, they moved as a family from that area to a farm near Gallatin Gateway. It took them two and a half days to take that trip. Times were a little different then than they are now. They had their livestock with them. They had across the Madison River. They came this way, and they settled in that area. She used to ride an electric train car that came from Gateway to Bozeman, and that's where she attended high school and later became a nurse. My dad, on the other hand, was a Dutch immigrant. He came across the pond in 1909. He didn't fly across like we do nowadays. He came on a boat, and it took him many days. He was only four years old. In fact, he had his fourth birthday on that boat. For two little boys, there was the family, their parents, two little boys and a baby sister, and they came across many days out on the ocean. But then one day he told me, his dad came down and brought him up on the deck of the ship. And he still remembers looking out across the water. And he said there was a lady holding a torch up in the air. He could still remember that, immigrating to the United States, coming here to be part of this great land. He told me many stories. And I want to share a few of those with you this morning. But the main message that I want to bring is when we go out, you are all preparing, I assume, going to a Christian college, preparing for a life of service. You want to do work in God's kingdom, and that's very commendable. And I praise God for that. But the story of God's kingdom and how it advances isn't because you and I are doing it, it's because God is going on ahead of us. He opens up the way. And we see that in so many different places. And I don't know what your routine is in the morning when you begin your day, but quite often we tend to go down and look at the news and see what's happening. The news can be kind of discouraging because each day we see the headlines filled with stress and strain and strife. But look what God is doing as he works within each life. To those who live in darkness as black as any night, 
They've come to know the Savior and they see his marvelous light. God touches people around the globe wherever they may be. He gives them life with purpose for all eternity. His call comes to the heathen who worship wood and stone. And now they seek forgiveness and they worship God alone. His call comes to the busy folks so burdened down with care. With God there is forgiveness, a home in heaven to share. Just see what God is doing with the homeless on Skid Row. Some hot soup at the mission, a safe, warm place to go. They see the gospel in the lives of those who serve them there. These folks are always willing the love of Christ to share. The Church of Christ stands ready when a disaster strikes the land, and volunteers are soon on site to lend a helping hand. His spirit reaches into cells behind the prison wall. With God there is forgiveness. Come now, give Christ your all. He stands with arms wide open to bless and heal and save. For on the cross of Calvary is blessed life he gave. To those who live with burdens so difficult to bear, he says, I'll lift them from you in answer to your prayer. God gives his grace as needed for each and every day to give us strength and courage as we travel on life's way. So when you see the headlines, don't view them with despair. Just look what God is doing in his church everywhere. And when I talk about the church, I do not talk about your church or my church or the church down the road. I'm talking about God's eternal church and kingdom throughout the whole world. That church continues to grow. The Bible says, I will build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And one of the stories that my dad told me I wanted to share with you this morning. It happened about 70 years ago. It was during the 30s. The Depression was in our nation at that time. And he and a friend of his decided to take a ride up into the hills. I live about 15 miles west of town. And they went into the hills up above Anthony, up toward the Spanish peaks. They had heard that there was an old mine up there, and they were going to see if they could find it. They were on their saddle horses, and they rode for a big part of the day. Many of the things, uh, the reference points that people had given them, they checked those out. They never did find the mine. But as it was getting toward mid to late afternoon, they decided we're quite a ways away from home, and maybe we should start back. So they started toward home, but as they topped a small rise, way off in the distance they saw a small building, way out in the hills there. They decided to go over there and check out what that small building might be. Imagine their surprise when on coming up to that building, they found a little church way out there in the hills. The church had fallen to disrepair and ruin. For many years, it had been neglected. They could see that it was in very rough shape. That picture that you were passing around is a photograph of an oil painting that he made of that little church. But he and his friend looked at the church. They rode around it a couple times. The door was hanging from its hinges and they went inside. 
the place was desolate. It was, you could see that it was a place that had once known God's worship, but now it had fallen to disrepair and ruin. But as the shadows were beginning to lengthen and the afternoon was waning, they decided that they better mount their horses and start for home. But as they rode, they talked about that. What could this be? How did this happen? How did the, who built a church way out here in the hills? What kind of people must have attended that church? And as he mused on that in the next few days, he thought about that, a church that had fallen to neglect. And he wrote a poem about that church. Out on the widespread prairie, upon a little knoll, stands this abandoned edifice, no more its church bells toll. Its foundations badly crumbling and the portals are torn down and bits of tinted window glass lay scattered on the ground. The paint from off the walls is gone by weather's windy beat, and all its sideboards cracked and warped by seasons cold and heat. Within the scene, how desolate, the place all scattered o'er, with chips and dust and crumbled clay on wall and sill and floor. The altar rail is badly marred by scratch and scar effaced, while overhead in balcony the spider webs are laced, where once the hallowed psalms were sung, an owl has claimed the gable brace, and from the pulpit to the hall a bat pursues his ways. And yet, some fifty years agone, some soul spurred on by love, did meet within these selfsame walls to hear from God above. They left their tasks in cabin homes astride a western steed, on buttboard, Mustang drawn, did come the word of God to heed. The women in their homespun gowns, the men in denim dressed, the cowboy with his tinkling spurs, his leather shaps and vest, to hear the word of truth and light, of sin and saving grace, how all who in the cross would trust might live before his face. While psalms and hymns did echo loud, God's praises were proclaimed the human heart by grace endowed with heavenly love aflame. But, oh, how sad the dreary sight that meets our eyes today, a church enshrouded in the night which once had known the way, that they who in their graves were laid, whom God with faith did bless, have left this life, how sad again, left none their steps to press. With prayerful hearts let us then bow, Lord, make thou us more true, more patient, humble, meek, and low, depending, Lord, on you. Endow us with your spirit, Lord, your strength that will not fail, and against your church and gospel word, hell's gates will not prevail. That was the story of the little church. What happened? All of you realize, I'm sure, that the church does not consist of buildings. Churches come, church buildings come, and church buildings go. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the people that attend those churches, you and I, and the church throughout the whole world.
But that isn't the end of the story of this little church. When I was a boy of about 12, my dad went to a little church in Gallatin Gateway, and he gave what they called at that time a chalk talk. And he drew that picture that you saw. And he gave the story of the little church, and he recited the poem. And after the service was over, an elderly lady came up to him. She says, I know the story of that little church. I went there as a small girl. She says, you see, in that time in this valley's history, there were a lot of families had taken up homesteads way up there in the hills. But what as so often happened with homesteads, they were unable to prove them up. And one at a time, they began to move away and go to different places. And then a large cattle company bought up the, all those homesteads and the people all left. And so the church was left and it, was, it fell to rotten ruin because nobody was there to take care of it anymore. But as I said before, the church of Jesus Christ is the people, not the building. And I like to think that each one of those families, wherever they went, they started a church of their own or became part of a church that already existed somewhere else and that God's kingdom continued to grow. As you travel across this great land of ours, you see it quite often, a church that is no longer used for meeting or, or for worship. Sometimes they're used furniture stores, antique stores. Chapel Cafe has kind of a nice ring to it. Yeah, but the people have gone elsewhere. That doesn't mean that the church has ceased to exist. It means that it has spread to other places. God says, I will build my church. The gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. And I assume that each one of you is preparing for a life of service within the kingdom of God. And I think that's very commendable. We have to look at it when Jesus Christ said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then he gives us one of the most beautiful promises in Scripture. Lo, I am with you always to the very close of the age. But you know, if you really think about it, God doesn't need any of us to spread the gospel or to promote his kingdom. He's God. He can do anything he wants. But he has chosen to use you and I to spread the glorious gospel of salvation. He says, I'm building a kingdom. Come here and be part of it. And so we have to look at all of our Christian service, not as an obligation or something that we have to do if we're going to be part of the kingdom but we have to look at it as the distinct privilege that it is. The opportunity to share in the building of our Lord, the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are many different places where we can serve. Some people go overseas. They spread the gospel to people who otherwise do not have an opportunity to hear them. Many of them work in local evangelism. When, God gave, when Jesus gave that mandate, he said, go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But you know where he started? 
right at home. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, wherever there's people that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, it is our privilege to be able to go in there and to talk to them about what God can do in their life. And so it is that there is also a ministry that I, would, that I have become part of. It wasn't something I really had intended to do with my life. I took over the farm. When we got married, I was running the farm. I was milking cows twice a day. I had no time to be off doing other things. But during the 80s, when times got, interest rates got high, I was either at a point where I had to get a lot bigger in my farming operation or get out. Farming was my life. I loved it. But I was not able to do it anymore, to keep it up. And I thought my life was over. But at that time, somebody called me up and said, do you know anybody in your church that would be interested in visiting in the Gallatin County Jail? I said, I know one man. And I've been doing it ever since. God has opened the way. When the, there were two men. One of them was Harry Faber. The other one was Dr. John Hedricks. I don't know if any of you know him. But they got together and they requested a few times. They wanted to meet with the administrator of the jail. And first he kind of put them off. Finally one day he says, yeah, you can come at noon. I'll meet with you. He wanted to know what they were going to do, what they had in mind, and he had a whole page full of questions that he was going to ask them. The first one he asked is, what is your intention? They told them that without the Lord Jesus Christ in their life, we are all lost. And that any real change that comes in people that are now incarcerated is only going to come through the saving work of Jesus Christ. And as they told them what they wanted to do and what they wanted to present to these prisoners, his hand slowly went on that page full of questions and he slid it underneath the big manila envelope. He asked no more questions. He said, I'll tell you what, you can have from 7 to 9 o'clock on Sunday nights to have a church service. You can come back again on Thursday night and have a service from 7 to 9 o'clock. For many years, ever since October of 1986, faithful volunteers have had the privilege of going into the jail and witnessing to many prisoners. But as I said, God goes before us in this ministry. Because we were only doing it about three years when we got a letter from the sheriff of the Gallatin County in that letter, there was a brochure. That brochure came from a chaplaincy program among the sheriff, uh, among the police departments, the firemen in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Would we be able to help him start some kind of a chaplaincy program among the officers, among the firemen? Well, I don't know if any of you know Warren Hebert. He has been with the Gallatin County Sheriff's Department now for over 20 years. His salary is completely given by the churches of the valley. 
None of it comes out of county coffers. He is one of the car dealers in the valley, furnishes him with a car, a new car every two years to do his work. And that work has continued to grow. He not only is chaplain now in the Gallatin Valley, but he has traveled statewide starting chaplaincy programs in many of the other counties throughout the state. What I really want to emphasize this morning is that when we want to be part of a Christian ministry, we find out that God has gone ahead of us, that he has opened the doors, and that he allows us the privilege of going through. There are many times when I go into that jail and I hear some kind of a story and I know they're going to ask some questions. What am I going to say? But I know through experience that God never gives us an opportunity that he doesn't also give us the words to speak and the encouragement to give. Yes, sometimes we hear stories of ruin in people's lives, but we also hear stories. I had one tell me just the other day, only God could have brought me to the Gallatin Valley and under the circumstances that took place, allowed me to spend some time in the Gallatin County Detention Center. There I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. He said, I can tell you the very night that it happened. And he says, I know that this was all by divine appointment. So whenever you have times when you feel that, what ministry should I take? How do we decide what does God want me to do? What is his purpose and plan for my life and for my ministry? The first thing to do is to pray about it. God guides, God leads. What I did then when they asked me to become chaplain, because Warren was going into the jail visiting with some of the inmates, and they said, that's a conflict of interest. For one thing, if you go in in uniform, Prisoners are going to be hesitant to talk. He says, and if you come back to the police and the officers later that you've been visiting those people that they have put in jail a couple nights ago, you might lose some credibility there. They would like to see if you can find someone that would like to be chaplain. Well, I visited several of the pastors throughout the valley. They all have their own churches. They're all busy. Finally, Warren said to me, he says, why don't you do it? I said, me? I'm full-time employed. I, I don't know if I could, hey, if they call and you can't get there till tomorrow, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> but I have still found out that if you get a call, it's the best to get in there as soon as you can. Now that I'm retired, <coughs> I can do that. Because that's when the feelings are the strongest. The time, the prime time might pass otherwise. But when we were meeting in the old jail, there were approximately 60 inmates in there. Now with the new facility, there's over 160, 172 the last I heard, because many of them are coming from other places also. But there's also, God has provided more people that have served as chaplains. Gail is now 
the chaplain to the women in, in the Gallatin County Detention Center, where there used to be five or six, Gail, what is there now, 28? Yeah. So there is a tremendous opportunity. I, a couple years ago, a few of the students from this college spent a little time with us in the Gallatin County Jail and helped uh, with that. I don't know if, they, if they're still pursuing some of that or not, but it might be something that you would be interested in. It isn't that you can just go and knock on the door some morning and go in. You have to be cleared to go in. They, they do a background check on you. I bet you're all really worried about that. But uh, we, we can go in and then you can go right and talk with them right across the table rather than through the glass with a telephone. But God has gone before us. He has blessed the work. It's only because of what he has done that we can accomplish the mission that God has given each one of us to build the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I came across a text in Isaiah, Isaiah 26, verse 12. All we have accomplished, you have done for us. God has done it. We are simply instruments in his hand to bring the saving message of Jesus Christ. Paul plants Apollos waters, but it is God that gives the increase. And so when we go forth into Christian service, always be aware of the fact that God is with us and that he, his spirit, touches hearts and lives. He doesn't tell us to go out and be successful. He says, go out and be faithful. That's the mandate that's given to each and every one of us. And that's what I want to leave with you this morning. Thank you very much for asking me to speak to you this morning. And I would like to close with a word of prayer. Our loving God, we humbly come before you this morning. We're thankful for the many opportunities in our lives, especially the opportunities to be of Christian service. And we pray, Lord, that as we go forth, that we may always realize that this is your kingdom and that you are paving the way, that you are going before us, and that you touch hearts and lives each day through the gospel of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so until the day that you come and take us home to yourselves, we pray that we may be faithful, testifying to the goodness and the grace of our God. Go with us then into the remainder of this day. Give us a joyous and happy Thanksgiving and holiday season. And then may we honor and glorify you with our lives and with our service. For Jesus' sake, amen.